So I think what's been really helpful for me uh, the last couple of weeks is keeping my eyes fixed on the end of this chapter. So I mentioned this in my homily last weekend that we're, we're hearing from John chapter 6, which is kind of out of the ordinary pattern of the readings. Normally during this year we hear from the Gospel of Mark. This year, uh, every year during the Gospel of Mark, the church stops us in our tracks and turns to John chapter 6 for five weeks. This, week we, or this year we get four out of the five weeks because the Feast of the Assumption is on a Sunday and the readings take precedence over that. Um, but nonetheless, we, we get this, this vision of John chapter 6, and for some reason, the church wants us to focus on this chapter from the Gospel of John. Now, there's a particular reason for it, but I think what, what I'm trying to do, uh, and what I think the Lord wants us to do, is to slowly work our way through the chapter so that we don't jump ahead, almost to, to take, take some time to really savor what's going on here. And for me, what's been helpful in my preparation for preaching and just in my own reflection is keeping my mind uh, at least partially, if not entirely, focused on the end of the chapter. So the end of John chapter 6 in verse 66, so it's 69 verses long, in John 6, 66, there's this line that I think would do well to, to allow us to give us ourselves caution. So it says this, as a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. I think this is important because it, it gives us a glimpse of what exactly is going on. Sometimes, you know, like we know this, I think when we read scripture, Sometimes it can be really familiar to us that we almost just sort of read it and, and think nothing of it. Or on the other end of the spectrum, it's so unfamiliar to us and we can't quite grasp what's going on that we, we don't really give ourselves over to wrestling with it and thinking about, okay, what is it that's going on here? So this particular line has been helpful for me because it helps me to put everything else into context in this chapter. So something happens, right, as a result of this. Jesus is having a conversation with, uh, with some people. And as a result of that conversation, a whole bunch of people, many of his followers, that is, people who have given their lives to him, have made the decision to take their life back from him and walk some other way. Right, can you, can you grasp how important this must be. Because Jesus, like, he doesn't want people to leave. In fact, we, we skipped over, uh, or we skip over this, this part of the Gospels, um, this part of the Gospel of John in our weekly readings, but it says, actually, um, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but will raise it up at the last day. So Jesus, he doesn't want to lose disciples. He doesn't want to lose followers because it's actually God's will, the Father's will, that everything that the Father gives to him, Jesus would actually hang on to and not let go of. So it's, it's important for us to remember, Jesus doesn't want people to walk away. And yet at the same time, we can look at it from their perspective. People don't just walk away for nothing. 
especially after you've given your life to something, right? You don't, you don't just walk away. We can think of, uh, I'm just thinking right now of professional athletes, right? How many times it is uh, at the end of their career that it's actually incredibly hard for them to walk away, to retire, because they've given so much of their life to that sport. So it is with Jesus, people who have given, we hopefully, who have given our lives to Jesus, it ought to actually like bring this to our mind, like how hard it would be to walk away from him. Because we've given him so much of our lives, hopefully our entire lives. And that's what's going on in the end of John 6 is these people have given everything to him and now they're walking away. So you can imagine, or you better bet actually, that whatever it is that kind of moved them to feel like they needed to walk away from him, it must be serious. So I think maybe the first invitation for us over these, these course of weeks is that if we're hearing the passages or hopefully in our, our, uh, our time away from Mass uh, in between Sundays, if in our reading of John chapter 6, nothing really catches our attention or nothing really shocks us, then maybe that's an invitation for us to wrestle a little bit more with the scriptures, to, to give ourselves a little bit more to what's going on. Because Jesus doesn't just challenge these people. The letter to the Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if Jesus is challenging these people, then it's probably true that he wants to challenge you and me. Now, I know this, this might be different than what we want it to be, right? We want Jesus to be gentle all the time, and we want him to be kind all the time, and we want him to just be welcoming of everyone all the time. And I'm not saying that he's not those things. I'm not saying that he's not gentle, that he's not kind, that he doesn't welcome anyone who comes to him. But at the same time, he, while he's welcoming everyone that comes to him, he's also challenging each one of us to shift our way of thinking, to think differently about the world, to think differently about him and who he is. He challenges us because the way of the world, the way of the culture, is a way that leads to destruction and death. And he has come into the world to give us life. But in order to get life from him, we have to follow him along the way. Right, that's why last week, so what I think he's doing in, in this chapter, last week we heard of the feeding of 5,000, right? We think about this. Sometimes we don't think about it, but think about this. Jesus fed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Like, think about that. He fed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. What's he doing? He's showing them who he is. He's showing them that he's not some ordinary man who's come to, you know, just sort of like dis dis uh, display another way of life. No, he's saying, pay attention to who I am because I am coming to show you the one path to life. And he says this later in his gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he's revealing to them who he is so that you and I and his followers would give him our whole attention. 
so that you and I would come and sit at his feet and say, Lord, whatever you say, I'm in on it. And this is where we, we get into today's gospel and the challenge that I think we, we have today is that exact thing, right? That he's saying, uh, I've come to do the works of the Father. And they're saying, what do we do? Like, how can we do, what must we accomplish to do the works of the Father? And Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. Now, I think there's a, there's a challenge for us actually in this because what's happened to us as a Christian community, so not just like a Catholic Christian community, but as a Christian community at large, like all the different denominations, the ones who are non-denominational, us as Catholic Christians, what's happened to us is I think we've, we've begun to, or we already have skewed, we've adjusted what it means to believe in Jesus. Right, we use this term, believe in Jesus, as like a buzz term without really ever explaining what it means. And so what's kind of developed into is just this sort of like in our minds, we just sort of say that we believe in Jesus and that, that's all we need. Right, if I say that I believe in Jesus and I pray and I tell him that I believe in him, then I'm, I'm good to go and I don't need to do anything else. But in fact, to believe in someone or something, actually it requires something more of us. So think of it like this. This is, this is an image that I, I always use and no one up to this point has told me that I'm wrong, so I'm gonna keep on using it. So the image is this. Imagine for a moment that you're in a cave and it's pitch black. Like you can't see a single thing. And you try to feel around on the walls and like get out because you don't want to be in the cave you, you don't want to be stuck there so you're like trying to feel around and sometimes it, it seems like maybe you're getting somewhere like the wall is leading to somewhere but then you just end up running into another wall and you try this for like a really long time you're trying to get out of the cave and eventually you actually start to panic a little bit you start to get anxious because nobody likes to be stuck in a cave of darkness no one likes to be stuck in this place and you want to get out so you can see the light so you can breathe fresh air so you can get some food eventually because you're gonna be hungry after a while and at some point, you're just like ready to give up because it seems like there's no hope for you getting out of this cave because it's so dark and it, it's like a maze. You're stuck there. And then imagine someone comes up to you and they're holding a torch and they see you and they walk right up to you and they say, hey, I, I have this light and I know the way out of here. Like, come with me. You have, a, you have a decision to make in that moment. Do I believe that this person actually knows the way out? Do I believe that this person is interested in my good? Or sometimes there might be a suspicion of like, well, this person might actually be trying to like kill me so they can eat me so they're not hungry. <laughs> right? Like you have to make that decision. Do I believe that this person really knows the way? Or are you going to sort of go into like self-defense mode and just say like, no, I'm not going with you. What doesn't work actually is if you say, yes, I believe in you. And then he says, okay, great, come and follow me. And he takes off and you stay where you're at. That doesn't, right, like, that doesn't, it doesn't work. If you believe in that person, if you believe that that person actually knows the way out, you have to actually follow and go where they go with the light. And then what's more, imagine, right, so this person now leading you out of the cave. And as you come to this, this sort of fork in the road in the cave, you look to the left and you can actually see daylight over there. And you look to the right and it's, it's still pitch black and pitch dark. And the person who's leading you out actually goes to the right instead of to the left. 
And you stop him and you say, hey, wait a minute, look, there's daylight over here. I'm like, let's go this way. And he says, no, that's not the way. I know it looks like it is, but that's not the way. You need to come into the darkness still because there's a, 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 the way out is this way. Right, again, you have to make a decision. Am I going to believe this person or am I not? And let's say you don't believe this person. You say, okay, well, you go that way because you say that's the way out, but I'm gonna go this way. And then as you're going to the left, to the daylight, you actually fall into a pit, right? Your friend didn't tell you that there's a pit there, but what he did tell you is that's not actually the way. Well, you can say, well, but I believed him. Like, I believed that he could lead me out. Well, then why did you go away from him? Right? Can, can you see this, brothers and sisters, that to believe in someone isn't just simply to say that you believed in him. It's not simply to say, well, I followed him most of the time, but, you know, sometimes, like, I just didn't think he was leading in the right direction. To say that you believe in Jesus, that is to, to accomplish the work of God, to believe in the one who he has sent, is to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, never straying from the path. Because after all, he is the only way to the Father. Now, the good news about Jesus is that we fall in the pit all the time, and he's always willing to come and get us and say, okay, now follow me this time. He's so patient with us, and he's so good. But at the same time, he does demand that we follow him, because following him is the only way to life. And so the question now becomes, do you believe in Jesus? Are you ready to follow him? Because then the next question is where the big challenge comes in for us. If you believe in Jesus, and if you're ready to follow him, how do you know his commands to you? How do you know the way of life that he's laid out for you? Now, it's absolutely true that for each one of us, the way of life that Jesus has laid out for us is different. Absolutely. But at the same time, he has been very, very clear with his disciples about how to follow him in some areas. And that comes in reading the Gospels. Now, I say this is a big challenge because I know this, brothers and sisters. I know that most people, like a huge majority of people, spend almost zero time reading scripture. And yet, this is the way that's revealed to us. Right, I was actually thinking about this before mass, uh, before the last mass this morning, I, I was sort of thinking about my homily and I heard the, the musicians practicing their songs and the one thing that I, I heard them practicing was the Alleluia verse, which is almost never talked about, right? Like no one ever talks about like, you know, we sing Alleluia and then the musicians sing something really nice and you know, we just sort of go back to singing Alleluia and then the gospel passage happens. This, this week's Alleluia verse, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Do you believe this? I had to catch myself before the last mass wondering the same thing, do I believe this? Like that I don't live only on the, the food that I take in for nourishment, but in fact, the only way to life is by hearing and, and taking in and almost consuming, eating every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do I believe that? And if I do, then that means I have to read scripture. I have to. 
I can't tell you guys how many times, so I take, my, I take my chunk of prayer time, my main chunk of prayer time in the mornings. I can't tell you how many times during that prayer time I have resolved, today is gonna be the day. From this day forward, I'm gonna be a man who just like in my free time, all I'm gonna do is read the word of God or I'm gonna read some good spiritual book. Today is the day that I am going to avoid sin as much as I possibly can. I'm gonna get rid of distractions. I am gonna, I'm gonna really go for it today. And then in a matter of minutes, I've totally forgotten about my resolution. Do I believe this? That the way to life is, it comes only through Jesus and through the words that God has spoken to us in the scriptures. Now I know at some point, I've come to realize this, at some point in, in, in the history of the church, I think it's recent history, but at some point, people were told that they don't need to worry about reading the Bible. I know at some point, some of you perhaps were even told, don't worry about that, don't bother with scripture. And I don't know where that came from, and it's not your fault if you were told that, I have no idea. But what I wanna do is I wanna release you from that and say, actually, on the contrary, brothers and sisters, we need, we need, we need to read scripture. And I know that it's this huge book and that it's really hard to understand. I, I totally get that. There are many times when I'm reading, especially the Old Testament, like the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and I'm just like, I don't get it. And there are other times when I'm reading St. Paul's letters and I'm just thinking like, this guy has so many run-on sentences. <laughs> right, like I understand that. But this is something else I can tell you about my experience is that the more I've wrestled with it and the more I've given myself to just simply trying to understand it, the more it actually begins to like make sense to me. And this is, this is the other cool thing. There are so many incredible resources that we have at our disposal that you could like YouTube videos, podcasts. There are study Bibles, Catholic study Bibles that you can buy online. And I would be so delighted to help you with that. In fact, like it would bring me an incredible amount of joy if I woke up tomorrow morning or someday this week and I saw 300 emails in my inbox saying, Father, help me. You said you would. Great. I would be so delighted. And I know that Father Lickus would be equally delighted because it's so important to us. It's so important to me. It's so important to your pastor, Father Lickus. It's so important for us as a Christian community. It's so important to Jesus that you and I would be willing to give ourselves over to reading scripture every single day. And it's not to say that you have to read the whole Bible tomorrow. It's not possible. But what if you decided to read a chapter of the Gospels a day? John chapter 6, I recorded, I, I uh, timed myself one time. It takes like eight minutes. Can you find eight minutes in your day to read the Word of God? So that you can be one who not only believes in Jesus, but puts that belief into action. So that you can say with this, the Alleluia verse, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You can say, Lord God, I find my life in you. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that you speak to me in the scriptures. 